The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And this week, we've got a special guest. We've got Ryan Roof, who... Uh, basically is the expert on relief pitching here at Rotowire, and uh, Ryan's been writing up uh, a ton of outlooks on all the fantasy relevant relief pitchers for our draft kit. Uh, many of those, you know, the, the top guys, that's all live on the site right now. Uh, Ryan, it, it's pretty cool because, um, like I, I write most of the outlooks on prospects. Ryan writes most of the outlooks on relievers. So you're kind of getting uh, the same sort of analysis from the same person on all these guys. So it's, it's very consistent from player to player, especially within each team. And we're going to just dive right in here. Uh, my feeling is we don't really need to spend a ton of time talking about the very best closers. Uh, I think most people, you know, maybe there's a guy or two that people are just out on for whatever reason, but uh Emmanuel Classe, Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Jordan Romano, Ryan Presley, Felix Bautista, Devin Williams, uh, and Kenley Jansen are guys that Ryan and I uh, are in sort of full agreement on in terms of you can draft those guys expecting 25-plus saves, um, good ratios for the most part. Uh, Ryan Helsley was a guy that I included on that list initially, um, but... I think he's the guy from that that top ten, Ryan. That maybe you are least confident in. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say I'm not confident in him because I do like uh, what he's what he did last year. Obviously, um, career season added uh, two miles an hour velocity. Um, he probably reaches 25 saves, but he does have a history of injuries prior to last season. Uh, he missed time in each of the three seasons prior. And St. Louis did extend Giovanni Gallegos for two years, um, and he's recorded double-digit saves in each of the past two years. I don't think, you know, Helsley gets the full allotment of saves in St. Louis. Um, their manager, Oliver Marmol, has that um, coined the closer by calculation strategy, which... <laughs> When you look at it, it's just really Helsley and Gallegos um, as the two beneficiaries of that strategy. So, um, 
but out of that group, um, I think it's likely he gets to 25 saves, but he's the one I'm probably least confident in out of the top top 10 getting that mark. I mean, I'm still going to draft him. I'm, I'll still have some teams with Helsley, but um, do you like do you like Helsley? I mean, is he's kind of uh, maybe the more, most challenging of those 10 to kind of fit into your team, perhaps because. Uh, I mean, the, as long as you bring up good points about the, the durability from past seasons, uh, but I, I feel very confident in the skills. So I think, you know, the ratios should be good. Uh, yeah. Strikeouts should be good. Uh, you got nine wins last year, but you're obviously chasing saves if you're taking a, a closer really high. Uh, so maybe he's maybe he's better as sort of a, a premium second closer or a guy that you take and then you pair him with uh, like a Daniel Bard or someone like that from this next group that we're going to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. And and I don't want it to sound like I'm out on Helsley. It, it, Cause I agree with what you said about the skills. I mean, it seems sustainable. Um, he did like jam his finger at the end of last year. We haven't heard anything like serious on that um, this off season. So it's probably fine, but um you know, when we when we get to spring training and we talk about like monitoring v- velocity during spring, he's someone I'm going to make sure he still maintains that velocity from last season. And do you, where do you think Gallegos fits into sort of the redraft picture? Is he, is he someone you're? If you take Helsley, are you thinking about handcuffing him in in draft and hold leagues? Are you maybe taking Gallegos like with one of your final picks in a seven man bench? league and just in case there's a spring training injury is is he someone you're just not really worried too much about for for drafting uh for 2023 yeah for sure for draft and hold leagues um especially if you have helsley i'll definitely try to pair him with gallegos um for re uh for fab leagues i'm not i'm not sure maybe around 30 you know if you're in that week one of the season and you're not sure if all of your starters are gonna you know get a turn in the rotation maybe you pick him up for that first week just to kind of see who gets like the first couple of save opportunities in St. Louis. And then, you know, if it's seems like Helsley's the guy, then you move on, but definitely in draft and hold for sure. Okay. Let's move on to uh, this next group. I put, uh, I put six guys in here. Uh, they're closers with some uncertainty. Uh, and I, I have Daniel Bard in here, Scott Barlow, Rysel Iglesias, Camilo Doval, Clay Holmes, and David Bednar. Uh, you know, I think with Bard, uh, you and I are kind of in agreement. I put him as the top guy in here uh, because I think he's probably the best bet of these guys, just knowing what we know now to get to 25-plus saves. But For sure. I would probably argue he will have the worst ratios of the six. Yeah, Bard's not going to have a 179 ERA again. He had a low BABIP last year. So definitely some ratio regression uh, coming in 2023. But out of that group, he's the one I'm most confident will get 25 saves right now, um, just because there are some question marks on the rest of the the closers you mentioned. Um, and we'll get into probably each of them. But um you know, age 37, Bard still threw 98 miles an hour. 
He ditched his fastball. That was historically a bad pitch for him for the sinker. And he got a high ground ball rate, um, which especially worked against left-handers. So um, I really like that adjustment he made last year. Um, he still has plenty of velocity. There's no competition in Colorado. So I think you can draft Bard safely um, for saves. Um, ratios is, is not something I would expect um, him to like deliver on compared to last year. Um, so for you, if if you're just doing, um, let's say you're just doing a, a draft champions league, 15 teams, 50 round draft and hold. Uh, are you okay with him as your first closer or it, has something gone wrong if he ends up being the first closer you select? I'm a, I think I'd be okay with it. It hasn't happened yet. Um, Cause I'm typically an early closer um, drafter. So, but I think I would be comfortable with Bart as my number one option for saves. Just, just because at least at this point in the off season, you know, cause just cause there's no competition mm-hmm. for, for that role in Colorado at all. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would be okay with it, but it, I would probably be a little uncomfortable with it. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it more, um, but yeah, I, I think the saves are there. Yeah, I've done a, I've done a lot of drafts. I've done done eight drafts, five gladiators, three draft and holds, and uh, haven't gotten barred anywhere. I just, it's sort of a mental hurdle. I think I've got to kind of get over of, of taking a Rockies closer, but I, I just, it's really hard to argue that he won't get to 25 plus saves if he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, Scott Barlow is a guy that I have drafted, I think just once. Uh, and to me, I feel like the main concern here is just that he would maybe get traded sometime this off season. Is there, is there anything else that I'm, I'm missing that we should be worried about with Barlow other than just the fact that that team's not going to win many games? Yeah, they have a new manager, Matt Cotraro from, he comes from Tampa Bay who is known for their committees. Um, will they move to a committee? I'm not sure. We haven't, we haven't heard anything from Cotraro yet on that, but they have a couple arms that, that that could be in the mix for saves. Um, I've liked Dylan Coleman for a couple of years now. Um, he was pretty good towards the end of last year. Um, they have Amir Garrett who can still get left-handers out, uh, left-handed hitters out uh, pretty well. And then Josh Stamont who throws pretty hard, got the first couple of saves for the Royals last year. Um, so that's like, something I think about. I don't know if it's like likely or not, but you bring up a good point about the trade. He could be traded. Um, and on the flip side, there is a lot to like with Barlow. Um, he has a track record, um, 74 and a third innings each of the last two years. So he's got that, that ceiling of innings. And uh, he made an adjustment last year um, through his fastball a lot less um, in favor of his curveball, And he had the best season of his career. So, um, I think if he continues to like, uh, with that pitch mix, uh, tweak into 2023, he'll, he'll post ratios closer to, to last season than, than the seasons before. Yeah. He, he might have the, the most, uh, the, the weirdest kind of pitch mix of any of these top 15, top 20 ish closers, but it, it's been working for him for a while now. So I'm 
not that worried about it. Uh, I think he's, you know, the closer we get to opening day and like, as long as he's still on the roster, I think he sort of, I don't know. To me, he's just, he's such a clear notch above those other guys that it would just be weird for them to go to a, a full blown committee. Uh, but yeah. there's also the possibility they trade him at the trade deadline, even if they don't trade him now. So I think if you take Barlow, you're kind of hoping for about 20 saves. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's about what I, what I put as his projection. Yep. Uh, okay. So I want to kind of lump these next two together because I think if we knew Rysel Iglesias and Camilo Duvall were, were definitely going to be their team's closer on opening day, they would be right in the middle of that first group of 10 guys. I think we could probably draft them with, with a lot of confidence. Uh, but I do think they are sort of, they've been slipping in drafts because I think there is fear from the drafting public that Kenley Jansen could be signed by either Atlanta or San Francisco uh, and, and move these guys into, into setup roles. Um, what, what's your take on Iglesias and Duvall at this point in the drafting season? I think, I think I have one share of both. So um, I obviously like what they, what they can offer, but you're right about, you know, the Jansen rumors um, you know, we heard from Braves GM that, you know, we'd love to have Jansen back in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, Rysel Iglesias was really, really good last year. I mean, he's been so consistent over the past, you know, since he really started his career. Um, I'm not sure people realize how, how dominant he was in the second half. Uh, 034 ERA, 084 whip over the final two months. And, you know, he brings the consistency, sub three ERA, six of the last seven years, sub one whip in his last three. So, I mean, he's awesome. Like if he, if there, there wasn't this Jansen rumor going around right now, he'd be going in the top three or four rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're like confident that Iglesias is going to be the closer in Atlanta, uh, get your discount now. He's got a um, ADP 88 in the November draft champions league. So that's end of round six. Um so yeah, go get him now if you want the discount. Um, and I think I think it's probably a good bet. I mean, they they traded for him kind of with their long term, you know, future in mind. Uh, you know, with three more seasons uh, on his contract. So, um, you know, the the threat looms of that Jansen, you know, re-signing there. But but I think they'd be comfortable with Iglesias as their closer. And the ball is. Um, really, really intriguing. Uh, he added a, another pitch mid season last year. Uh, he added a sinker and it became his primary offering in the second half. Um, and from mid July on from adding that pitch, he had a 169 ERA. Um, but, uh, he's also got an ADP in the sixth round 82, uh, in the November DCs. So, um, might hold off since I already have a share until, until Jansen signed somewhere. Um, but I do like, you know, if Jansen signs somewhere else other than San Francisco, I really, really like the ball a lot. Yeah, I think, man, I, the, the Jansen rumors to San Francisco, like to me, it kind of feels like BS. Um, like it just, it could just be, you know, something with like them do them doing his agent a favor, his agents leaking that the giants are interested, that type of thing. Uh, it just, 
Well, consider also twenty twenty one. The Giants had the best bullpen in the in the league by ERA. Last year they were bottom ten. Um, so it's possible, like they're thinking, like, well, we need to fix this. You know, Jake McGee didn't work out, um, and you know Tyler Rogers wasn't as good last year. So they might, you know, look for someone like Jansen to be like kind of that anchor with Duvall, uh, kind of improve their pen because we looked at all the playoff teams last year. Pretty much every team had a great bullpen. Mm-hmm. So um, initially, I, I kind of like thought the same thing. Like I kind of scoffed at that rumor, and then, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, maybe this does make sense. You know that Jansen would go there. So that would are, is that sort of if you had to pick a team right now as like where Jansen lands, would it be the Giants? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, because I think yeah, I mean. I've seen uh, I've seen Doval really slip in some drafts, and so yeah. And now, if I'm getting I, a discount on Doval, uh, you know, it depends on where you're like really slipping, right? Like, um, I've seen. Well, I mean, I've seen him go, you know, outside the top 100. Um, yeah, and it it sometimes snowballs too, where you'll be in these drafts and uh, a guy hasn't gone at his ADP and then everyone in the room sort of group thinks the guy to sort of almost fall even further. Right. Um, Cause they don't want to feel like the sucker, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, if you're a volume drafter, I, I think you should, probably should be taking these guys when they really fall. Uh, but if you're only, if you're the type of person that's only going to do, you know, three or four uh, high money leagues, if you take one of these guys top 100 and then they're not getting you saves, that's, that's really going to hurt. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Clay Holmes is someone that I've really been going after. Uh, I just, I think there's top five closer upside here and the discount is, is enough that uh, I'm, I'm rolling the dice just because I, don't really see who who the big threat is to him for saves but uh what's your what's your take on holes i i completely agree james yeah he's a uh, 17th closer off the board and in dc's right now um 10th round adp of 140 um and it's probably the lowest price we'll see uh on holmes this whole you know draft season because um, i agree i think he has top five closer upside um, 75% ground ball late rate led the league last year. And, um, there's really no one else in the Yankees pen right now that, um, I think would, would be competition for saves. Um, if anyone, it would have been Scott Efros, but he's out for the year with, uh, Tommy John. So, um, he does have a few health concerns. Holmes does. Um, he had a back injury mid season. And then at the end of the year, he strained his shoulder. Um, so that's a little concerning, you know, with back injuries and, and the same with Bednar, who we'll talk about next, uh, you know, back injuries are always, you know, worrisome for pitchers. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be the only thing, but, but I really, I really, really like Holmes. And I think it's smart to kind of go after him right now. It is at his current cost. Yeah. Uh, do you have any level of concern that they would sign a guy over the top of him? I think they'll look to the Yankees would look to add to the bullpen because um, they lost Chapman. They um, Efros is obviously out for the year, but um, I think 
the past couple years, um, Wendy Peralta has kind of stepped in for a couple saves here and there. Jonathan Loisiga has done the same. Um, and he was much better at the end of the year and through the playoffs. So um, if anything, I think like David Robertson might sign there. Yeah. You know, I don't think uh, they would go after like a high end, like Jansen type. Yeah. So if they sign Robertson, would we guess yeah. that he would be the setup man or yeah. Holmes? Yeah. You'd think Holmes would be the closer. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, hoping for good health from him, but uh, when he was, when he was at his best last year and it wasn't just last year, like he was, he was awesome uh, the year before too. And he's at his best. He is sort of like an Emmanuel class, a light type of guy from just a skill standpoint with the ground balls and just, Nobody can hit him. Um, yeah. Robertson's going to be 38 this season. He had the fourth worst walk rate among qualified relievers last year. So I don't think uh, any team's going to really sign him to be like their their primary closer. And then the next guy I had in this grouping, uh, David Bednar, obviously pitching for a terrible team. Uh, he's a, a really big guy, uh, which – makes the back injury a little more concerning to me than with, uh, I mean, Holmes is big too, but uh, Bednar, I don't know. I just, I'm a little bit more worried there. Um, but are you okay taking him at cost right now? Or, or do you have enough concerns where you're not landing him? I'd be okay taking him at cost, um, but I am concerned about his back and the threat of a trade too. Um, he, it's weird with him. I keep going back and forth on whether or not Pittsburgh is going to trade him or not, because he's approaching his arbitration window, which starts uh, in 2024, but he's also a hometown guy. He's born in Pittsburgh. You know, he's a, he's a Pittsburgh guy. So do they trade him or do they keep him, kind of build the pen around him and, and, you know, just get some better relievers that can help uh, the pen succeed a lot more. Cause I think, I think part of the problem was, last year they just overworked him um you know he was one of the guys who was going out there for multiple innings at a time and um you know when he's really the only guy in that pen that that you can trust i mean they called on him like so much at the beginning of the season and he was really good um so it's clear the skills are there but um yeah no no competition for saves in pittsburgh right now so so i'd be okay taking him at cost but um like like cautiously optimistic about Bednar. And so with this group of six guys, Bard, Barlow, Glacius, Doval, Holmes, Bednar, it sounds, at least to me, like I'm, I'm hoping that I have a closer already before I take any of these guys right now, but are, are there any that you have taken as your closer one? Uh, I believe Doval is my closer one in one of my draft champions leagues. Um, so... Uh, and that was kind of before the Jansen rumors. Sure. So, again, I'm probably going to, um, you know, kind of fade him a little bit until Jansen signs. But the thing is, is, like, I like all these guys. So, mm -hmm. like, Holmes I like probably the most if uh, if he's healthy. Um, Iglesias probably, like, my second favorite if as long as Jansen doesn't sign there. Um, but, like, they're all pretty good. Um and it's, and it's weird because, like, Barlow's probably, like, my least favorite uh, <laughs> of the six. 
um, even though he's like, you know, doesn't have much competition for the role. He pitches 70 plus innings past two years. Um, and he's been pretty good for the Royals. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird that like, I just like him the least. Okay. Let's talk about this sort of four reliever upside tier. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mm-hmm. So I grouped Andres Munoz, Joan Duran, Paul Sewald, and Jorge Lopez together because they obviously make up uh, the Mariners and the Twins uh, sort of primary save options. Um, and I think Munoz and Duran, I think to me, they're just kind of linked in my mind because they both just have this ridiculously high ceiling if they yeah. were to be the, the the every game closer for their teams. But then you have Seawald, who was excellent last year. You have Lopez, who the Twins went out and traded for. And obviously Lopez scuffled uh, kind of in the second half in general, uh, but he was dominant before that. So how are you sort of handicapping these two bullpens? Um, I'm targeting the Mariners pen. I really like both Seawold and Munoz at cost. And, and it's, it's interesting because uh, um, I actually set the min pick in November DCs on Munoz at pick 145. His ADP is 179, which is uh, round 13. Um, they, they just, the Mariners just have no financial motivation to like, not give him as many safe opportunities as possible now that he's 
on that team friendly contract long term. Um, he's got the best skills in that pen. He, uh, I I acknowledge that it's a risky pick at cost right now, uh, just because health is still a pretty big concern with Munoz. He just had off-season knee surgery. He had Tommy John in the past. But I just think the upside kind of outweighs it. I think he's got like 40 save upside um, with obviously great ratios, a lot of strikeouts. Um, and with Sewell, I kind of like him too, um, just because like if someone jumps the gun on, on Munoz, like before me, I kind of like taking Sewell as a fallback because now the risk is in that pick and I can kind of take that fallback as Sewell is kind of like a closer two. Um, He's not someone I would be taking as my closer one, but he's been, he's been really good the the past couple of years. Um, And actually, actually I had had anticipated Seattle trading Sewell instead of uh, Eric Swanson. Um, You know, their bullpen was their strength last year. They needed to upgrade the lineup. Um, and Sewold's in his second year of arbitration. So I thought, you know, either him or Castillo would kind of get moved instead of uh, Swanson, but uh, they held on to Sewold. So um, I kind of like, you know, his his chances of still getting saves, even even if he's not like the primary guy, I still, still think he'll, he'll, he'll pitch in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, since I've been ranking prospects, uh, Munoz and Emmanuel Classe probably the two best relief pitcher prospects that have come along. Uh, Like Edwin Diaz came up as a starting pitcher and then debuted as a reliever. So I don't, I don't really count him. Um, But like Munoz was a guy that, you know, he's just one of the best relief pitching prospects uh, of my lifetime really. And it is a little worrisome that he only got the four saves last year. Uh, but he also had 96 Ks. I I took him as my second. He's the only one of these four that I have a piece of so far. I took him as my second reliever in a gladiator where my first reliever was Presley. And I, I kind of like Munoz and Duran in, in these gladiators as second relievers, sort of yep. banking on the ratios, banking on the Ks. And you're, I mean, I'm kind of hoping for 15 saves there. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, there there is that crazy high ceiling that you, you mentioned. Uh, but then I actually took Munoz ahead of Duran, even though Duran has the higher ADP. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a preference out of those two? I would have done the same. Um, I think, you know, Minnesota, they – it was such a weird year with their bullpen last year. They they stuck with Emilio Pagan for a long time when they should have just kept Duran in that in that closer role. They might have made the playoffs if they did that. Um, I'm probably not drafting Duran at his current ADP 113, which is round eight. Um, I'll definitely take that discount on a couple rounds, discount on Munoz all day. And, and I'm not sure Minnesota's done – adding to their bullpen. Um, I wonder if like they would, you know, we're going to talk about the free agent relievers in a bit here, but I wonder if they would, they would resign Taylor Rogers. Hmm. Um, and in that case, like it would just be like probably a full blown committee with Duran and Lopez Rogers, you know, Alcala will be back. Caleb Theobar was good last year. So 
I'm kind of fading the Twins bullpen right now. Um, and they it was kind of fluky. They 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 only had 28 saves, which was tied for the the league low. Um, and like 10 of those saves came in May, so they had like 18 saves the rest of the year total. So it was it was really strange. Um, I expect them to get more saves this year, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm I kind of don't like the costs on Duran and and Lopez. I'm just got that second half where he lost his command, just stuck mm-hmm. in my mind. So I'm kind of fading him too, even though he had that velo spike, career best ground ball rate. Um, he just doesn't have a special strikeout rate or anything. So I'm kind of fading him. Actually, I I should I should uh, correct myself. I I actually did get Lopez. I, I got Munoz in a glad air, but I did actually get Lopez in a DC, like one of my first DCs. I think he went, I think he was like around pick 300 or something, um, which I thought was worthwhile. I think he was my third reliever there. Uh, basically just because they sort of have already kind of committed that they, they, they traded legitimate prospects to get him. So I feel like there's, there's a chance there. And I, I, I really think it, he's got just as good a chance as Duran to, to lead the twins and saves. And then part of the reason why I, I'm totally with you on fading Duran and it, it's one of those fades where, you know, you could look really silly, right? Like if, if they just decide that it's Duran's ninth inning, like he could be a top five closer who you're getting outside the top 100. But uh, I've always sort of just from his and he was great last year when you could just scoop him up off waivers. Um, but I've always remembered like when he was a pitching prospect and he was a, a starting pitching prospect, he was just always battling some sort of arm injury. And, you know, he obviously was healthy last year, uh, but he throws so hard. I've always sort of had that in the back of my mind. And, you know, Munoz is, is risky too from, from that standpoint, but uh yeah, I, I think the price on Duran is is pretty elevated right now. Um, yeah, I just looked at my player shares. Munoz is I have three three shares of Munoz already out of eight teams. Um, I feel like he's going to be the reliever. I'm kind of all in on this year. Nice. Um, even despite the risk, you know, I, I acknowledge that. So I'm going to probably make up for it more. Like it, you know, more uh, specs past round forty in DCs for saves, but. Last year, I was like all in on Jordan Romano. This year, I think it's going to be Munoz for me, um, just because of the upside. And hopefully, um, you know, he's he's healthy going into spring after the knee surgery. Yeah, there is. It, it is a fun, and we could even like throw Clay Holmes into this mix too. Like you know, Holmes, Munoz, Duran, just so much upside there uh, from yeah. those three. And uh, you know, if you, if you're brave enough to really kind of invest uh, or, or stupid enough to really invest in, in those guys. Like it, it could, it could really pay off. Um, right. but it, it could blow up in your face too. Uh, speaking of blowing up in your face, uh, we're going to go to the sort of land landmines grouping here. And this is, this is going to be kind of messy to, to sort, sort through, but uh, these are the, bullpen situations we haven't really touched on yet and uh basically the reason why i am paying up for saves uh so let's let's start with the okay well actually how about you so 
which of these bullpens are you kind of most interested in? Uh, where where do you sort of see some value here among this this kind of grouping? Yeah, I really like um, one of my favorite closer two targets right now is Kyle Finnegan from the Nationals. Um, teams in rebuilding load, excuse me, rebuilding mode, probably not going to spend on a closer. Um, you know, they're not going to win many games. Most likely, they they had a league low twenty eight saves last year, but um, you know, Tanner Rainey's you know got the Tommy John. Probably won't be back till the end of the year. And um, I don't really see anyone else in that bullpen. I mean, maybe maybe Hunter Harvey. Um, that would give Finnegan competition. So so I really like Kyle Finnegan as kind of a closer two, closer three right now. Um, some other teams I really like, um, the Rays, Red Sox, and Dodgers. Now, what I've done in uh, – I think I did this first in 2021 um, when Kenley Jansen was a Dodgers closer – and um, Blake Trinan kind of was his like fireman support uh, role there. I think what I did was I just drafted everyone in the Dodgers pen in my DC. So really kind of covered the saves for the Dodgers. And, and I think they led the league in saves that year with like 50, 55. Um, so I'm kind of taking like a similar approach with, with a few teams uh, this year, one of them being the Dodgers. Um Yesterday, I asked Juan Trivio, who's the, the Dodgers beat writer for MLB.com, who the current favorite was to close. Um, you know, Blake Trinan's out for the year. Daniel Hudson's coming back from a torn ACL. Brewstar Gratterall, always injured. Um, and Trivio tweeted me back saying they're going to they're gonna use a committee. Um, we all know Evan Phillips was really, really good last year. His ADP is 341. Um, and Gratterall and Hudson both have ADPs past 450 right now. So I'm really trying to like, uh, get a lot of those guys or multiple of those guys, especially, especially Hudson. Um, obviously they have to, he has to prove he's healthy going into spring. He hopes to be ready for spring, but, uh, I really like Hudson at cost right now. Um, but I'm going to try to pair him with another, um, reliever in the Dodgers pen. Um, hopefully multiple. I'm going to do the same. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, do you, I mean, it just, I just have this, it's hard for me to believe that the Dodgers go into the season with just a committee. I, I don't know. I mean, like, are you, I, I know that that's what they would be doing now if opening day was today, but then there's also just not the super obvious like guy that they would sign. So maybe they would trade for a guy. I know they like Kenley Jansen, obviously like homecoming, whatever, but uh, they definitely could have just re-signed him last year and they opted to trade for Kimbrell instead. So um, do you, do you actually, are you kind of, so you're kind of committed to the idea that they don't add anyone to this pen right now? Yeah. If, if they did, it would be probably a lesser signing. And if you look at the usage last year, like they didn't remove Kimbrell, they didn't like announce Kimbrell, um, that he was no longer the closer until like September. But if you look at the usage, I think he only got eight of the Dodgers last 24 saves after like mid July. So he wasn't, it was technically a committee like in mid July, even though they didn't really announce it until later in the year. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think they're perfectly content going into the season, you know, with the committee, they have capable options. Um, and I think the emergence of uh, Phillips and 
uh, a healthier season from Gratterall gives them a little bit more confidence to to do that. Yeah, so I I think I love I'm I'm right there with you on loving the Hudson ADP. Um, yep. You know, I I mean he's that's a range of the draft where you're really not you're not passing up on like anyone right. great mm-hmm. at any other position. Uh, I do. Um, I do kind of like the idea of taking Hunter Harvey super late. Um, I know you mentioned you like Finnegan and obviously they, they, I mean, they might be like them and the A's are probably gonna be the two worst teams. Um, so there's just not going to be many saves to go around, but I, I did like what I saw from Harvey last year and obviously he's got a, a ton of pedigree. Um, but Finnegan does probably have to struggle probably for, for them to go in a different direction there. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but Harvey is dirt cheap, though. So I, I will just say, like, if you're if you're hunting, you know, like a you're going after like your fifth or sixth reliever of a draft and hold, uh, I think you could do worse than than Hunter Harvey. Um, I agree. Yeah, he was really good in last uh, in September, two thirty five ERA, sixteen strikeouts, and fifteen in the third inning. So um, yeah, I like what he has to offer. Um, he's obviously had health concerns in the past, but. Um, career high 39 and third innings last year. And I think uh, he's been in, he's been in my like late DCQs um, every draft so far. So yeah, I'm right there with you. So let's, let's go to the the Red Sox then. Uh, How do you, how do you see that shaking out? Uh, So it's interesting because you know, Tanner, Tanner Houck was the closer for like a month and he was really good. He got like six saves in like two weeks um, and then he got hurt. Um, so his ADP is 297. Um, he was told to build up as a starter this offseason. But um, I think he's he's likely to return to the pen where he really kind of thrived when given that opportunity to close. Um, so we're talking about like pairing, you know, different relievers from different pens. I'm trying to pair Hauk with uh, John Schreiber, um, who has an ADP of 433. Feel like Schreiber is not getting like any love. He he's really underrated. He had two um, pretty extensive scoreless streaks last year, tied for the team lead with eight saves. Um, so I really really like Schreiber. He's he's one of my biggest targets right now um, in those DCs. Um, don't have any interest in Matt Barnes. Um, his ADP is right around Schreiber's, uh, even though he actually did finish twenty twenty two strong. But I just don't think. Uh, he's kind of in the high leverage picture right now. So um, I like the idea of Hauk and Schreiber. And even if Hauk doesn't close, like if he's like in the rotation, like that's, that's like a good price for a high upside pitcher like Hauk. Um, so yeah, I really like, I really like uh, the Boston relievers. Yeah. I mean, Hauk is probably my favorite target from this entire like landmine zone uh, yep. he has like his his two seamer slider combo is is absolutely ninth inning caliber and like you mentioned they he was the closer there for what like two three weeks something like that and he was performing well and then things kind of fell apart um health wise but uh and i mean you're you're definitely right about Schreiber. Like he was their most consistent reliever last year. Uh, mo- most consistently good reliever. Um, 
Yeah, but he I, had a 19 game scoreless streak last year. Um, yeah. I just think he just flies under the radar, and you know he's he's really cheap right now. So, um, so when you're when you're talking about pairing bullp or relievers from bullpens. I assume you're probably doing that sort of once per draft and hold. Like you're not gonna not gonna spend four picks on two relievers from two different teams in the same draft necessarily. Probably not. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and again, I'm like an early closer guy, so I'm gonna try mm-hmm. to get you know two of the guys that were we've already talked about, right? right? One from like year one, and one of those like high upside guys. Like like I love Munoz as like a closer too. Um, like he's just kind of fits that perfectly for me. So yeah, I, I like Hauk as like a, a third reliever, basically. Yeah, um, same, same. Yeah. So I these types of, of players we're talking about now, yeah, definitely like third, fourth mm-hmm. type like safe support who can benefit you in other areas as well. Um, you know, aside so, from just saves. So uh the other team you kind of had here, um, where you're sort of uh in, you know, you're investing uh, Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adam with the Rays. Uh, really, really excellent uh, relief pitchers when they were going well last year. And then it's just kind of the Rays stigma uh, plus Fairbanks health is just, you know, I think he's just going to be permanently super risky from a health standpoint. Yeah. Um, but what what's your take on sort of how that shakes out? Yeah, I love both of those guys too. Um, you hit it right on the head with Fairbanks. He he's averaged twenty eight and a half innings per season through in his career, so you can't really count on a lot of volume from him. But when he was healthy last year, close the year with twenty two straight scoreless outings, thirty six to three K to walk over twenty two innings. Added the velocity, averaged ninety nine on his uh, fastball. Um, Adam in kind of that uh, emerging high leverage role had the third lowest whip among qualified relievers great at limiting hard contact um has uh mixes three pitches really well kind of evenly um it's like a 30 some percent uh usage per pitch and uh in zone contact is one of the best among relievers so um i i would probably um fairbanks adp is a little high so um but I'm definitely interested based on how he closed the year. Um, and if I can get Adam, Jason Adam, you know, later on in the draft around ADP 377, um, I'm going to try to do that as like my closer three type three, four. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. I mean, with Fairbanks, it's just, uh, I probably just can't go there at that ADP. Uh, I wish yeah. that it, you know, I wish he was sort of going sort of where Hawk's going. I would probably yeah. take Hauk straight up over Fairbanks, so that's I just can't really pay that price, just given that you know I, I don't know. Can you even project him for thirty innings? Um, yeah, we all know. we can. His, watch, his like, max pick is two ninety, so that's like right okay. around Hauk's. Yeah. So like if he's if he's slipping, like I'm definitely interested. Like if he's slipping to that range, but you know around two twenty eight, it's a little tougher. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, <clears throat> now now we'll go uh, that and those are the those are the fun situations to talk about. So um, <laughs> now let's go to uh, you labeled this group would draft but not necessarily targets. Uh, let's t- <laughs> let's start out with the the tigers. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
everyone knows sort of how bad Gregory Soto was relative to a traditional closer last year. Uh, yeah. And do we, do we even think he breaks camp as the closer and, and who would be most likely to usurp him? Well, it's interesting because if you remember the year before, AJ Hans kind of announced him as a closer right after the 2021 season. Yeah. He hasn't done that this year. <laughs> so um, it's it's just I'm not going to get any Soto at his yeah. 12th round ADP right now. Um, he's just too risky. His K rate dropped um, to about 22%. Um, even though he did have a pretty high team save share, was, he had the third highest uh, at 79% among closers. Um, I just don't think that's going to continue into 2023. Um, especially, you know, the Tigers were had like, they were pretty like kind of buzzworthy when they signed Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, I'm sure they expected to be like a lot better than they were. So um, if you look at uh, steamer projections, they actually project uh, Joe Jimenez for the most saves on the Tigers with 14 um soto projected for 11 alex lang eight so take that for what it's worth um i do like him and as he had a nice uh, uh season last year and he's very cheap so same with lang lang has a pretty filthy curveball i think it was the um i haven't done his outlook yet for for next year but i think uh in my preliminary research um he had the highest uh whiff rate on any curveball in the league, like 60% or something like that. So, wow. um, so yeah, two guys to, to kind of monitor in Detroit's pen, Jimenez and Lang and just stay away from Soto. Um, yeah, the, the Soto, the Soto ADP is, is, uh, in, I think that's sort of a, you just weren't really necessarily prepared for, the draft or just sort of how things might go if you end up taking Soto there because you probably there's probably like a closer run and you know all the guys that you wanted are off the board and then you're looking at ADP like well who's the next closer and it's Soto so you just take him and you cross your fingers but I mean he could you could start him for the first lineup period he could give up five runs and walk everyone and blow up your ratios first game of the season. And then you might like drop him the next period. So um, I just, yeah, I have zero, zero interest on Soto. Um, yep. Agreed. And yeah. Jimenez used to be like Jimenez was, has sort of been seen as this closer in waiting there in Detroit for like three or four years now, uh, whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I might just rather have Soto or Jimenez than Soto, just straight up. Just um, straight up, yep. Yeah, agree. So the Rangers, uh, Jose Leclerc, uh, you know, he's getting drafted like a like a closer, um, like a low end closer. Uh, but who are the biggest threats to, to Leclerc here? I think it could be a free agent or. Um, you know, Joe Barlow's still around. Uh, he, he dealt with a lot of blister issues last year and he even had like a, had surgery this off season, like on his wrist to like separate tendons to that were affecting that, which I find interesting. <laughs> um, but you know, Barlow is a capable option. He can, you know, he's not the, like the best reliever in the world, but certainly represents competition to 
Leclerc. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I wouldn't not take Leclerc, um, you know, if he fell far enough for me to be comfortable taking him like 17th, 18th round, I would, I would certainly take him as my closer to there um, if I didn't get one. But, um, you know, I just, I just think there's uh, the possibility of them signing someone uh, adding to that bullpen. Uh, they lost Matt Moore to free agency. Jonathan Hernandez wasn't great in the role. Neither was Brett Martin. So um, I don't know. There's some like positives with Leclerc. And then there's like part of me that's like, eh, I'd rather have someone else. So um, not against it, but I'm not like honing to get him either. Yeah, I think I, I kind of co-sign everything you said there. Uh, yeah. Could Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like that you mentioned it could be a, a free agent uh, that comes in there. Um, I could, I could yeah, they're clearly willing to spend. I mean, they're supposedly an on DeGrom and, you know, other pitchers. <laughs> so God. we'll see. But uh, I don't know. Um, okay, so the Phillies. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez is kind of the, the favorite there. Uh, how do you how do you see that breaking down? pretty much the same as, as Leclerc. Like I'm not opposed to taking him, but I'm not like targeting him either. His walk rate was over 10%, um, struggled throwing first pitch strikes last year. Um, but those six wins and nine saves, like really kind of boosted his fantasy value. So certainly the favorite to open the year as their closer, um, team just made the world series. He was their best reliever. Um, but I have to imagine, like, out of all the teams that made the playoffs, they definitely, like, had the worst pen, and they just lost um, some depth um, in terms of uh, Brand Hand, excuse me, Brad Hand, Corey Knable. Those were guys that were in the conversation for saves in Philadelphia that are no longer there. So I think they'll probably have to add to the pen just for depth purposes. So we'll see who that is. But, you know, it could be someone like, Adam Adovino or Trevor Maeve and like guys who could step into that role and get saves if, if, you know, um, if called upon, but um, someone who's there, who is still there in Philadelphia is Jose Alvarado. Um, his 14.3 K per nine was third highest among qualified relievers. And he really, really improved his walk rate last year. It was still bad, but um, it was way better. Um, so um He's a little interesting. Uh, I have had I have added him to uh, my cues and draft tra- draft champions uh, drafts. And I just can't click his name. Like there's something about it. So, um, well, I I bet I know what it is. It's probably the uh, like 13 percent walk rate rocking <laughs> yeah. over the past three years. This is true. Yeah, this is um, true. I mean, he's always like we've all been tantalized by Jose Alvarado before. Uh, I'll never forget that gif, that pitching ninja gif of his, like, <laughs> it was just sick. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there is stuff to like about Alvarado. He struck out 81 and 51 innings last year. And, and like I said, his, his walk rate improved significantly. Um, it went from 18.7% in 2021 to 11.2%. Now, it's still bad, but he is working on it, so... I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, it could be an interesting name in that pen, especially since uh, I don't know. They're just 
a lot of their back end guys just have bad walk rates because Dominguez isn't great either. So no, it's no, I mean, and uh, Dominguez, I think is a, you know, he's a durability risk. He, he's kind of always has been, uh, I think he's thrown maybe, I don't know, there prior to last season, I think he'd thrown like 35 innings since uh, 2019. Um, so both those guys at their very best can be really dominant. Uh, could you see them going with sort of a, a, a ninth inning platoon with those guys where they, they sort of play the matchups? Um, yeah. Cause that's kind of what, what they did, you know, with Rob Thompson, the then interim manager, he's now, he's now their manager. He kind of did that after Corey Knable was removed from the role. Like they, they kind of mixed Brad hand in there. Andrew Bellotti was, kind of he got a couple saves um alvarado got a few brog connor brogdon did so i could see this being like a kind of similar to the dodgers where just a bunch of guys you know 10 plus guys get you know five or some some saves uh, not five or some saves but you know 10 plus guys get saves with a couple getting like five or more that being dominguez and alvarado yeah Okay, so then the last team here um, for the wood draft, but not necessarily targets, uh, the Marlins. You know, you got Dylan Floro, uh, certainly the probably the favorite right now uh, to be the closer for them. Uh, yep. But that's a. I mean, he's he's kind of the default best option there. Um, yeah. But what yeah. are some reasons to not to not invest? So he's a free agent in 2024. Um, Marlins are bad. So they're probably going to just try to build up his trade value in the first half. Uh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't their closer in the first half. Um, so I could see him just being the first half closer than, than trading him, getting something for him. Um, and he was he was really good. He was one of the better relievers in the second half last year. Sub uh, two ERA. 43 strikeouts and 41 in the third inning. So, I mean, he's clearly still got something to offer, but I just wouldn't project him for more than 15 saves. Okay. So here's a question for you. That's not on the, the rundown, but uh, you know, the, the gladiator drafts, like the relievers, it's you know, certainly a, a hot button issue among the hundreds of us that are doing these, these drafts. Uh, do you think it's more likely that the overall winner of the gladiator really paid up for saves or did the strategy that I've seen some people do where they basically wait till the very end of the draft and take like a Dylan Floro plus you know, Craig Kimbrell or something like that with just the final two picks. Like, do you think it's more likely that the team that really paid up wins the overall or a team just gets really lucky and hits on two super late guys. I think it's going to be like, cause, cause in the gladiator drafts, the closers are being, at least the elite ones are being pushed up to like end of round one, round two, right? Like Gator yep. Hendricks, Diaz, class A, all going in the first two rounds. Um, and then the next grouping, Romano, Presley, Williams, uh, Jansen, Batista, probably round three. I think, what I would do is do like kind of target one of the, like the guys round three, four, like 
Jansen Batista and then and then Spec in my last for my last pick. Um, I was just looking at the last one I did. Actually, um, I took about Felix Batista in round four, Andres Munoz round five or round nine, John Schreiber in round twenty three. Oh, um, okay. Who knows if that's gonna work or not? But I feel I feel like it's gonna be more of like it's not gonna be like a round one and round four winner. Um, I think it's going to be more of a, like, let's wait a little bit round three or four and then spec at the end. So, but I, I don't know, like, I have no idea what to do in these gladiator drafts at all. So, I know. so it's, it's <laughs> we'll see. Um, it's, it's very fun and it's going to be, it is fun. Yeah. At, at the end of the year, there's going to be some sort of, uh, someone's going to run the numbers on like, you know, look at the top 10 teams in the overall and what, what closers they had. And there'll be some sort of, I told you so um, coming from some people. I will um, say like someone who did like a round eight or nine, Clay Holmes, Daniel Bard, and then two relievers late will win it. So you're, it sounds like you're in on the idea of, of three relievers, th- three and six. I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, especially if like they're, they're given, I think because I'm doing one tomorrow night with uh, Rob DiPietro and, and Phil and, and mm-hmm. Steve Weimer, like all those guys. I think I'm going to try something a little different there than we're historic. We're seeing on these draft boards I'm looking at right now. So, um, yeah, I don't I've know. Been, it's, I've it's, been doing I, more two two and seven, uh, but that's because I've been paying up. Um, like I think like my worst second closers and those have been like clay holmes and andres muñoz um and i'm just sort of assuming that one of my starting pitchers will either get hurt or not be good so i feel like i need to have seven to kind of get the the k's and wins necessary but uh, yeah, I again. think I'm going to go heavy starters early oh, okay. um, in this next one, because like if you get late in those drafts, like you're looking at like the injury, like past round 20, you're getting all the guys that are like you kind of have the upside guys like Wesneski, Braxton Garrett. And then you have the injured guys like, you know, Molly and Carrasco and Syndergaard. So it's like I feel like paying up for starting pitching and then like getting some of the bats later, I think, even though you might lose some volume. Um, but the at-bats, like, get one elite hitter and then go all pitching and then just fill out your roster with bats. I think that's what I'm going to try to do this next draft. All right. Well, good luck against that uh, that tough room. row of drafters. <laughs> just dead money at that point in that room. So, Well, uh We've been sort of filibustering here because uh, we still have to talk about the Angels, A's, Cubs, and Diamondbacks. But I suggest you just kind of rapid fire us through those four teams and maybe kind of say why it's such a terrible situation to invest in. And if you yeah. have anyone from any of those teams that you are semi-interested in. Um, I'm not really interested in, in anyone from these teams and it, well, A, the teams aren't great. Like, I guess if I had to choose one, and it's just based on ADP, it would be Ryan Tapera from the Angels. Like, if they don't add anyone to that bullpen, um, we saw Phil Nevin last year kind of use Jimmy Herget early in games, like as the, like the true high leverage reliever. 
Um, I went to an Angels Guardians game in Cleveland and, and Herget, I think he came out in the sixth inning. In that game, I attended a high leverage spot. So um, you can get Ryan Tapera 250 picks later. He's probably going to be in that mix for saves if they don't add anyone. Um, and I'll take that that discount compared to Herget. I'm just Herget, like he was really good last year. He was the Angels' best reliever, but like guys who like just randomly suddenly emerge, it's like a kind of like in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, can they sustain this? Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar with like Jason Adam too, like a career journeyman just suddenly like breaks out, right? Um, at least with Munoz, you know, he had the pedigree, like from the start, like, whereas these other guys have been kind of, you know, toiling in the majors for a long time. So, um, so Ryan Tapera from the angels is one I would consider late, but A's there's just too many options. AJ yeah. Puck's got the highest ADP of the, the four guys there. Um, but he wasn't even like used much in the ninth inning when, Danny Jimenez and Zach Jackson were hurt. So uh, like I'm not drafting puck. Um, Jackson was among the leaders in the holds category, which was promising, but who knows what role he's going to have. Acevedo was pretty solid, but like, he's not like spectacular in anything. So I don't really want him. And then Danny Jimenez had shoulder issues twice last season. Didn't get surgery to, address that so i really want no part of him either so um so i'm really kind of fading the a's um cubs not sure i like any of those guys um brandon hughes kind of emerged uh, as a rookie last season with eight saves at a good strikeout rate but um got hit hard and and his walk rate wasn't good Ebert alzalay just health issues. Manuel Rodriguez isn't really exciting either. And they could sign people. So probably fading the Cubs pen. And then for the Diamondbacks, Mark Melanson's going to be 38. Um, he wasn't good last year. Um, Joe Mantiply wasn't part of the committee when they kind of shifted to a committee later in the season, uh, even though he was really good. So not really interested in him. Um, and then Kevin Ginkle, he, he did have a strong month, um, uh, strong final month last year, 123 ERA over 14 and two thirds, um, in September, but he didn't pitch until like late August. So, or until August. So, um, there's just really kind of no one here. I'm really interested in at all. So, and all these teams are probably not going to be good. Maybe the Cubs could be maybe the angels if they like sign some more guys, but yeah, Oakland yeah. and Arizona. I'm just, I don't want anybody there. I, I co-sign pretty much all of that on those four teams. I, I don't, I, I will, I have, I think I have one puck share. I just sort of, he would, they were, they're so invested in him. Um, uh, you know, yeah. six, seven years or whatever of, of trying to develop him into something. And uh, I could just see them giving him saves just for that reason alone, basically. But um, you know, yeah, he has to be, I have to be kind of desperate and he has to slip a little bit. Uh, he did get a couple. I think he got four saves last year. So that's kind of like what I would expect, like kind of in that like four to seven range, like if anything, because I think they like using him 
you know, in, in the various spots and sometimes goes longer than an inning. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of almost like, uh, like when Archie Bradley was the Diamondbacks closer, it's like, it's better when you have like this super high pedigree pitcher, the front office that drafted him feels they, they sleep better at night saying like, well, at least he was like our closer than, well, he's our middle reliever now. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, notable free agents beside Kenley Jansen, we got Taylor Rogers, Raldis Chapman, David Robertson. We've kind of discussed, uh, you know, how he, he probably would not be used in the ninth inning. Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I think Rogers probably the, the most exciting of these four. For sure. Yeah. Especially it, it depends on where he signs. Like if he signs with like the Mets, like I really have no interest because, right. you know, Diaz is the guy getting saves. But if he goes back to Minnesota or like joins his brother in San Francisco, you know, he might have a little clearer path to saves and somewhere like, you know, the Mets. Um, so I have mild interest in Rodgers. He did kind of struggle with his sinker last year. It was pretty bad. Um, but above average K and walk rates. Uh, I like that. And, and, you know, five to 10 saves um, is within range, but Kimbrell, no interest K rate plummeted 15% last year, walk rate over 10%. So even if he goes like back to the Cubs where it would be like clear, he's the closer and just still have no interest in him. And then Chapman, you know, 35 years old, um, walk rate was 17 and percent. Maybe like the Dodgers or Padres could fix him. Like if he goes to either of those places, but I just, uh, staying far away from him. K rate was below 30% for the first time in his career last year. So just think he's done. Okay. Uh, let's quickly squeeze in this 14th round ADP segment. Uh, that was awesome stuff on closers. I, I hope, uh, you know, everyone that's got any sort of questions about these bullpens. I, I mean, I think that's as good as you're going to get for about an hour's worth of podcasting, uh, from Ryan. Uh, so 14th round this week, uh, we've done the 11th, 12th and 13th round so far. This is 15 team draft champions, uh, ADP. So I'm going to read off the, the guys currently going in the 14th round, and then we're each going to give a, a, a target and a fade. Uh, so we got Kyber Ruiz, John Gray, Edward Cabrera, Josh Naylor, Frankie Montas, Grayson Rodriguez, Riley Green, Alex Verdugo, Seth Brown, Ryan McMahon, Josh Young, Jeff McNeil, Patrick Sandoval, Joey Manessis, and DJ LeMayhew. Uh, so who's your who's your target out of those 15? Mine is Riley Green just because, you know, outfield kind of dries up at this point and he's should play every day, lead off for the Tigers. Um, above average exit velo, hard hit, max EVs last year in his rookie season. Had that foot issue, so um, didn't run as much as he probably has in the past. So I do think he's got double-digit homer and, and steal potential. So I really, really like Green uh, in this in this range uh, as my target. I also like Naylor too, but uh, yeah, Green would be my primary guy. That's really funny because uh, Naylor and Green are probably my two. So I, I was gonna say I'm I'm gonna say Naylor since you said Green. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've I just stole been... the, the prospect from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I I just think Naylor is just such a value right now. Uh, 
like yeah. he's going outside the top 200 in some drafts. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't play. Uh, maybe he's maybe he's in a, a bit of a platoon. Um, I just I think there's just a ton of room to uh, to profit, and I've even ended up with him as my starting first baseman. Um, I'd be comfortable with that too. Yeah. Yeah, Steamer's got him for 267, uh, 24 homers, five steals, 70 plus runs, 80 plus RBI. Like, I think that's that's dead on to me. Uh, so I I love getting Rowdy Telez, and then if I miss on Rowdy Telez, I just grab Josh Naylor. Um, 89th percentile, Max EV doesn't strike out um, much. I mean, he strikes out, but not much. Um, so yeah, I really like Naylor. Yeah, and he, and he hits right in the middle of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Who's your fade? My fade from this group uh, that you listed off is Ryan McMahon. Um, started platooning uh, at the end of last year. was sitting against lefties. Um, and he's got a career 652 OPS on the road. So it really kind of limits your, like, how much you can start McMahon. Um, you want to start him at home, obviously. Um, but if he's going to sit against lefties, like he was starting to do at the end of last year, like, I mean, you're really kind of cutting yourself short on on playing time. So we'll see if that that continues into 2023. Um, maybe he gets a chance to in the beginning of the year to kind of hit him better than he has. But um, like McMahon was someone I've been big on for a while. And then last year, especially like in OCs as like my corner, I was just like, I can't even start this guy like if he's on the road because he's just terrible. So um, so I'm off the Ryan McMahon train. What about you? Yeah, that's fair, uh, especially the the platooning aspect there. Um, I uh, I don't really like the price on any of the pitchers going in this round. Um, I think there's just significant durability concerns with Cabrera and Montas, and uh, I think it's a little too high for Rodriguez and Gray. But my fade is going to be Patrick Sandoval. Um, I just he's a a whip liability and i think if you're taking an angel starter this high i just think they have to be better like that you're just never going to get a two-start week um and i just i don't like paying this price for a guy that's going to have a one three whip or higher uh so um he's my fit yeah, I'm with you on those starters. Um, I do love Grayson, you know, just because um, I think I've had him in keeper leagues for a long time, so I'm, like, waiting for him. So do you think uh, – what do you think his innings top out at this year, James? Uh, Like 140. Uh, yeah. But I don't – you know, one – all he has to do is tweak a shoulder, tweak a forearm, tweak yeah. an elbow, and he's going to miss a month. And so um, – I just think it's, I don't know, it's not how I want to build necessarily. It could definitely pay off, though. Uh, yeah. So he 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 wasn't my fade here, but I, I'm probably not going to end up with, with him unless he, he falls to me in a draft. Uh, this was awesome, Ryan. Really appreciate you taking the time out. Why don't you let people know um, where they can follow your work and just kind of what, what you've been working on. Yep. Um, find me at Ryan Roof on Twitter, R-U-F-E's last name. Um, currently working on the remaining relief pitcher outlooks for 2023. 
kind of got the first 55 or so um, done covering all the the main closers, but uh, now it's time to fill in those gaps with like the Alex Langs and the, you know, uh, Dylan Tates of the world. So working on those guys. Um, you can also find me updating the closer grid on our site, um, bullpen hierarchies, um, closer and waiting rankings. And I'm also going to do uh, a closer rankings uh, initial set, uh, hopefully before the end of the year. So uh, look for that in the coming weeks. That's awesome, man. We're really lucky to have you. And uh, again, really appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, good luck Thanks in that, that gladiator draft tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.